You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 73. Hi there, and thank you for tuning into Bird Means Business podcast. I'm your host, Bird Williams, and I am really glad you're here. No, really, it means a lot to me to share this space with you and for you to carve out precious time in your schedule to tune into the show. I have a special treat for you today. I'm really excited because we're going to hear from a veteran entrepreneur. And real quick side note, if you don't have a veteran entrepreneur in your circle, you need to get you one. I mean, someone who's been in the game for five plus, 10 plus, 20 plus years, because there's nothing compared to the wisdom that comes from actual experience. But like I said, we're hearing from a powerful veteran entrepreneur, Aida Sama, my very own hairstylist. And I mean, yeah, she's my hairstylist. She is the best. She helped me transition from putting tons of chemicals in my hair, which I'd pretty done my entire life up until I met her because she introduced me to going natural and it has really caused my hair to flourish. So that's enough about my hair. But I say that to say she's my hairstylist on one front. But man, what I didn't know when I started with Aida back in 2015 was that she'd become so much more than a hairstylist. She's like this like sage or mentor and and she's really become a dear friend. So I am just really glad to have her on the show and for her to share some of this wisdom with you as well. Now imagine going from renting a chair in someone else's salon to owning your own. And I don't just mean owning your own business. She owns the building that her business operates in instead of leasing. Now, that right there, that's goals, right? Let me tell you a little bit more about my girl, Aida. Aida Sama is a third-generation entrepreneur, originally from Denver, Colorado. You'll hear her share how she began her career in the cosmetology field under the guidance of her grandmother before opening her very first salon in downtown Denver. After relocating a few times, she opened her current salon, which is called Studio 212, in 2018. And so over the course of her 20 years in the hair and fashion industry, her works have been published in numerous magazines, locally and nationally, and she's recognized among the top artists in her industry. Her clients, like me, (laughs) come near and far to seek out her expertise when it comes to hairstyling and advice. Her ultimate goal is to expand her operation and provide mentorship to budding entrepreneurs. And get this, her personal motto is whatever you do, do it with a spirit of excellence. All of that is golden. Could not love it more. Now, before we jump in, I want to make sure that I point out something that Aida mentions again and again. You'll hear her say how she had to prove it in her business. You'll also hear her talk about how investing in her business made all the difference in her growth. Well, I promise you, we did not plan this out, but the doors to my online course, 
Prove It plan opens very soon. Now, this is my framework for developing a strategic business plan, and it goes beyond just the amazing business plan template and financial spreadsheet templates, but it even teaches you just the basic fundamentals of growing a sustainable business. So if you want to learn more about my business plan development course, go to birdwilliams.com slash proveitplan. I'll make sure to link that as well in the show notes. All right, I won't let you wait any longer. Let's dive into the episode. Aida, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here, Bird. Good to see you today. This is going to be fun. I really wanted to feel like what it feels like when I'm in your chair (laughs) and you're giving me all the wisdom and insight. I've already kind of shared who you are and a little bit about your background. And I know that we've kind of talked, of course, about each other's stories over the years as I was in your chair. But for the listeners tuning in, can you share a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, no problem. I am a third generation entrepreneur. I started off in Denver, Colorado, working under my grandmother, who has owned a hair salon as long as I've been alive, literally. And then from leaving her salon after 10 years, I opened my first salon in downtown Denver, Colorado. And then I was moved to Dallas, Texas, where I opened my second location. And I owned that one about four years before I moved to Houston. Once I got here to Houston, doing what I love, which is, of course, hair, knowing that I was going to own a business again, I took about six years this time to learn the city, the market, and really focus on what I wanted to do, going from different salon locations, as you know. But everything was strategic to get me to 2018, where I opened Studio 212, which I currently own now. Oh, that is such a powerful story. And I titled the episode from renting a chair to owning the building because that is so powerful, right? (laughs) Um, You know, we lease our gym space that we're in right now and we would love to one day find the perfect space that we could own. That's just goals. So I I love that you have kind of gone through that um, experience. So could you share any tips from that process or I guess really just for entrepreneurs who might be considering whether they should lease or own, like how did you know when you were ready to own and how did you kind of set yourself up to be in that position? Well, this is the part of the process. Like I said, I've done this for 20 years. So it literally is a process. And they tell you when you get started in business, when you're writing a business plan, anything, what's your end goal? You always write it with the end in mind. And so I would say, to entrepreneurs looking back at myself and knowing it's like, really, what is your end goal? What do you want to do at the end of this? That's going to be your first thing that you need to keep it right down. And it's going to seem daunting at the beginning to say, I want to own a building when you're coming out of whatever sector you're coming out of. But you need that end goal in mind so that everything you do is based on that goal. But the responsibility that's going to come with that is going to be a lot. So you have to have that goal at the end tunnel and every step you take towards that is going to be that. You can't despise the small beginnings. Mm -hmm. So I do not recommend personally anyone start off owning unless you really see it feasible because there's a different commitment in owning. Yeah. And there's a different set of things that you have to worry about. 
So in my industry, which is a service-based industry, the first thing I needed to do is make sure I was going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I fortunately went and worked under my grandmother. But let's take Houston since Houston was somebody I didn't know anything. I didn't have anybody here. I started ground zero, mm-hmm. even though I had the experience before. I'll give you like the Houston plan. So in Houston, when I came, I decided to look at the top salons that were in my area and go work for one of them. Mm-hmm. And in working for them, I wanted to see what they were doing that I didn't know about what I was doing that I just didn't realize I was already doing and where I could grow. And so when I came to Houston, I went to work at a salon spa, went from owning to working for paycheck, (laughs) you know, minimum wage. And that's humbling. So you have to stay humble. But I worked there long enough to understand the spa setting. It wasn't a hotel. So once I realized that the sector of hair that I did was not going to grow in that that setting, then I made a conscious decision to move. But I worked there fully. And so I would say when a lot of entry-level positions don't seem glamorous, some of us start off working at a reception desk in the business we want to be in. Don't be afraid to get your foot in the door. And as a business owner, I had to go in and be an employee, be the employee I wanted to be, but also remember to look at it from a business owner's perspective. So I didn't complain a lot about what they were doing wrong. I took notes. And then I saw how they were flourishing, even though they weren't doing what I thought they should be doing. So there's a lot that can be gleaned and learned from that and realizing some of the stuff I majored on was minor and I didn't need to worry about it, you know, and then also looking at the way the team was set up. So I did that for about two or three years. Once I realized my hair business was not going to grow past a certain level, you'll level off. Then I decided to go to a full salon setting. That was, it was still a day spa. They did nails, they did hair, they did makeup, but it was stronger in the hair care and the salon setting versus the hotel, which is more for guests who are coming in. So that way I was going to build a bigger clientele who were coming specifically looking for what I wanted. And my start started, uh, someone was doing a fashion show. I'm in the Woodlands and none of the stylists wanted to do that fashion show and it wasn't paying. And they threw it to me like a bone, like, oh, here, you can do this. And I took it as opposed to feeling like it was beneath me. And I took that and that fashion show actually was what connected me to the fashion industry here. I was styling bridal shows after that. I styled the Super Bowl the women of the Super Bowl NFL wives, I styled their fashion show when they came to Houston at Tootsie's. I actually was the lead stylist and put the team together for that. But all that came from taking a job nobody wanted, but it was inside the goal of what I wanted, which mm-hmm. was to be exposed to that industry. And I didn't realize that until maybe four years later, that one job opened my whole clientele base and brand. Because it put me in front of the people and situations from bridal shows to fashion shows to quinceañeras to mommy daughter dance. I mean, sorry, daddy daughter dances to everything that I wanted to do. It put me in front of the people who were looking for that. So another thing is take the opportunities that come early when you're already not making any money anyway. 
You're not going to make the money right away. And I come from owning and making the money to ground zero again, but knowing, take those opportunities. Any opportunity that's in your, in line with your vision is a good opportunity. You never know you're going to connect with and you never know where it will lead you. And so once I grew my clientele to a very consistent booking with me, pre-booking with me, looking for me, not going to anyone else, solid base, that was when I knew I was ready to own. And I did attempt to buy the building early. The bank said, yeah, this looks good, but we can't prove that all of these clients will come with you. So I actually had someone tell me, if you can come up with an extra 5% down, we'll give you the loan. But I didn't feel like I should pay extra to do something that was available. But I took, so even... I would say the other part is when they tell you no, listen, because you can learn from even the no's. So what I decided was there was an area that was opening in the woodlands that was newer in Creekside. And there was a business that already put a hair, a hair salon type of entity in place. So I couldn't go out and rent the retail space where I wanted to be because someone already took it. So if you can't beat them, join them. So from there, I went and rented a room, which was like a salon suite, but it established me as an entity on my own. So I could prove that the clients were coming with me. I could prove that I could afford the mortgage on the building based on the lease that I was paying. It was more expensive than normal, but I knew my end goal again was to buy this building. So I had to prove, now I have to prove my business plan in real life. And a lot of people would get discouraged there and just say, I can't do it. I don't want to waste this money. But if you believe in it, you really have to go ahead and put the work. The banks didn't know me from Denver. They didn't know me from Dallas. So I had to prove my longevity to them by doing it anyway. So I ended up moving to the salon suite for two and a half years. But that whole two and a half years was proving the business was stable, proving the numbers were stable growing it a little more because now I'm on my own and showing my numbers. So, you know, I had to take that time to do it if you believe in it. And then after two years, 2018, we purchased the building. So that was 2012. That was six years of going from owning a business to basically proving that I can own another one here in Houston. But you got to just decide, is it worth it? You know, a lot of times it feels like, I keep going back (laughs) and having to restart. But when I restarted here in Houston, I just went back from ground zero and was very focused on the journey along the way this time. When I worked under my grandmother, I understood what was going on. I was learning from her, but I wasn't really filing it away. I was just working for her. Now, the training I received from her is why I'm here today. Yeah. But I was very conscious about it when I was in these other locations. Wow. So there was so much gold <laughs> in what you just said. <laughs> I want to point out a few things. First, just this overarching theme of having the end in mind and starting there and working backwards, I think is really important. A lot of times entrepreneurs will say, well, I don't know what the end is. And it doesn't have to be 10 years from now. It could just be a simple goal, right? It could even be your goal for the end of this year and working backwards from there. Right now I'm in the middle of of designing a goals realignment workshop, which by the time this airs, it will have been already 
done and over, but we're doing exactly that in the workshop, looking at what were the goals you set for the, for 2021? Where are you now? Let's work backwards to see what you need to be doing each quarter to kind of get you there. I think that's really huge. Also, you're pointing out that, you know, you've probably seen this meme where it's like, how you think it's going to look, your roadmap through entrepreneurship is going to be like this straight upwards trending line and what it's really like. And there's like all these ups and downs like, and, like and like a, going um, backwards and around yeah. in circles. So true, right? I it's feel not- like it, my journey was a like I got, you ever remember that show Survivor? Yes. I feel like I got dropped in a city and said, <laughs> go. <laughs> and you don't know any of the problems that are going to face, but we have a lot of stuff that we're getting ready to throw at you. Let's right. see if you can do it. Exactly. Yeah. So that is so real and practical. And that's why I love having entrepreneurs on the show, especially veteran entrepreneurs like you who have such 20 years of experience is because it makes it really real for people. Let's not get cute. You're not hashtag CEO. You know, you're not trying to be a boss out here and all that, you know, like that's cute. But in real life, it's actually really hard. And you have to really humble yourself like you're talking about. I love how you shared about getting scrappy and really strategic with working under another company. I think that's brilliant. Um, Terry, when we launched the gym, he had worked for so many different studios around Houston so that when we sat down and did our business plan, he had so much to add to it, right? He had he knew what the industry numbers were. He knew what we would need and what we wouldn't need. I love how you said, like, I was making things major that were minor. Like, that's huge, right? So anyone out there listening, think about your business in that way. It might be instead of you launching your business right now, you going to work in the industry and getting your sleeves, you know, rolling your sleeves up and getting your hands dirty to really learn about what the industry is all about, then you can bring so much more to your business. Yeah. And you're not going to have the team you want if you're not a team player. So I think I'm seeing a change in the, in the generation where they're just very, I'm going to, we're information age. So you can do the research, get out there and get it done, but you've never worked for anyone or with anyone up until that point. So there's an arrogance that is in that, that then you wonder why you can't keep people because you don't even know what you really want. But learning to work under people, you as a boss, babe, since that's what we're into, when you, a real boss knows how to work under a boss yeah, because you understand what they're dealing with. You understand their issues. You understand how to solve their problem. And when you're able to do that, you then are able to recognize the people who will come in and work for you that way. But then you can also, because you've been in their position, you can relate to them. So now you guys become a team instead of this person who's lording over you. Yeah. Um, so I think entrepreneurs, you are self-employed or you're a business owner. Mm. And those are two different things. Mm. And if your business doesn't operate outside of you, you're self-employed. And so then you're running your business. And no, actually the business is running you. Right. You know, you're not running that business. And if you want to run a business, you have to know all from the janitor to the CEO, you have to have a connection to each level of that. Mm. So it is not so bad to go work for someone. Or if you're familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you've read his book, you can look at your job that you're on now and it can still be training for what you want to do. So I think we need to really kind of step back because entrepreneurs know opportunity. 
we're not a scared, scared to get out there and make it happen. We believe, but we also got to know how these things work to grow outside of ourselves. That's so good. I love that. And I'm going to make sure I, I link that book in the show notes, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If someone hasn't read it, it's, it's a classic. It's really, really good. Another thing you brought up was that you said yes in humility and in several instances. And I bring that up because I shared on Instagram recently this post that was from this entrepreneur saying, I built my business by saying no to almost everything. Like I said, no to 90% of things. And so I shared it in my stories and I asked people what they think. I was like, what do y'all think about this? And that's because I feel like statements like that are sexy and cute and get people excited. But what is it really saying? And is it really true? And there were some people who said, yes, you know, you have to say no to almost everything in order to be able to say yes to other things, which I get, right? But then this one guy shared and he was like, I don't agree with it because I feel like I have gotten to where I am today by saying yes to a lot of things that people would say no to and learning from that and kind of going through what you just explained with your journey. So I think it's really important to understand the season that you're in because like the season you're in right now as a, as this far into your journey, there are probably a lot more things you say no to, right? But in that season, it made sense strategically for you knowing the end, what was you know, at the end, what having the end in mind to do things that you would maybe say no to now. So I think it's really good to kind of, for people to really cue into where they are and where they're trying to go when they answer these kinds of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Because the way I read I think it was my pastor who actually said to me one time, a long time ago, if you had this Christmas gift that you really, really wanted and on the way to its delivery, it was run over by a car. Then it got rained on. It was drugged through the mud. But the gift you want inside is still okay. But by the time it gets to you, it's just raggedy. Would you refuse it? And so I have to say that, again, where pride and ego have to be checked in this at the beginning When you're fortified into this, you will have a strong character about yourself that you won't be pushed over. But at the beginning, pride and ego is really hard because as a hairstylist, I've made a lot of money young, Mm. quickly. So it was easy to be whatever I wanted to be, my terms, my way, whatever. But when I came to Houston, it was a humbling experience because the way that fashion show was presented to me was done in a way like, we don't want you to work for us. We're not going to hire you, but I hear you're looking for something. Here you go. It was literally, we're going to throw this dog a bone. You know, it was humiliating, but I had, what else was I going to do that day? Do you know what I mean? So you really have to just kind of know there's sometimes I think, and I didn't discuss it with anyone. There's just, sometimes you're going to know this makes me feel bad and I'm already feeling low, but hair is what I do. It's what I feel better in. So if it's in line with that, I don't have anything to lose. And later on, that company ended up calling me to hire me. That's another story. They did end up calling me back to hire me because the owner had seen my website when I sent my emails in. It's like, you're going to hire her. Because of how the interview went, I did say, I want to speak to the owner. And once I, he said, no one's ever done that. And once I spoke to him to see who I was working for, that's who I worked. That was my first job here. But I'm an owner, right? So I could relate to him, right. you know? So you, I had to look past the managers and everything else to really decipher what worked for me. And I say all that to say for our entrepreneurs and everything, sometimes your road may take you where you have to work 
with or under someone. But if you know what you're capable of and what you're going to do, you'll know when to say yes and just don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be all over the place. Right. But there was some things that I did then, like I said, there are some, and I probably still would do some of them because you never know if it lines up with my time and my place, you never know what's going to be at that door. So I'm never past getting down there and working, but I am the business owner and I do have that in mind. And that is probably where I'm focused at now is because I love it so much right? I have to step out of it and bring other people in so they can love it as much as I do. I love that. Oh, girl. Yes. (laughs) I love all of this. This is really, really, really good, especially for new entrepreneurs. And so for those who are listening in, what do you wish you would have known about building a business when you first started? So if you could go back all those years and like whisper something in your ear, what is some, a tip or some advice or watch out for this that you would tell yourself so that maybe someone who's just starting out could hear it and and have be equipped with that knowledge. I would tell myself then keep going, keep going. I mean, and keep going boldly. You know what I mean? Like there were times because you and shut up. That's what I tell myself. (laughs) Shut up. Because when you tell your innermost dreams to people, I talk too much and they stumped on them. So then I had to gather courage to dream big. And I dreamed big. You know, when I started, this is funny. When I started, I think a shampoo style was $15 Wow. at my grandmother's salon, which to me was like, what are we doing? Because we were in, which would be Cherry Creek, which would be your Galleria here. Wow. Okay. So the first thing I did probably three months in was raise the prices and everyone thought I was not, I think I went from 15 to 25 (laughs) to give perspective. Right. And then I got training and then I got stuff and then I doubled because I was booked. And so, and every time I did that, someone thought I was insane. Mm. And then when I went and became a certified colorist, so I would say, shut up, invest in your dream and keep going. Because for everything that fell off, something's going to replace it at that level. And a lot of times I talk too much, I share too much, and it took a lot of time to recover. Yeah. But if I knew then I was going to end up here, I would have shut up because I would have been bolder and I would have kept going. I still have a boldness in me, but I battle sometimes with what has been said Mm -hmm. or what I might lose because I get attached to everything, but I have to remind myself the time. Right. It's funny you say that because I think sometimes we as entrepreneurs feel, can feel lonely at times, right? It's just us out here and we kind of want validation from other people, people we love, even people really close to us, you know? I had this, uh, I heard this story of a woman saying she was calling into this coach and she was saying, I talked to my husband about my business and he never gets it. And he always shuts me down and it makes me feel this, this way and on and on. And the coach basically said, is your husband, your ideal client? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the answer was no, Mm -hmm. her her husband wasn't even in the, in her audience. So why are you getting his opinion about your business? Talk to your survey, your audience, right? If you want to know those, like what's going to work and and on and on. But that's a great point. I do train, encourage my clients to find people that can be in your corner that that you can lean on that will encourage you. But to your point, you're not going to always share everything with them, right? You don't want to do it alone, but there will be some things that you might want to just 
keep to yourself and just move forward. So let's unpack that. Like me and you, we relate very well as business owners. So we're able to enjoy each other's space because we can decompress. We're in two different sectors, but we get it. So I can talk to you and sometimes just talking to other business owners, not even necessarily about business. It opens up. We always leave our meetings motivated. <laughs> we, we're, our heads are clear and we're going on to the next thing. There's a balance in having friendship and other entrepreneurs to lean on in that understanding. I don't like to go everywhere where everyone always asks me about hair, right? But I do like to be around business people because it keeps me motivated. And so I would also tell entrepreneurs, get around business people, get around business people that intimidate you. Get around network groups that are nothing. I don't go to networking groups looking for clients. I go listening to see what I can gain from the knowledge in the room, you know? And so it, but it clears my head and helps me think. So there was something as I was listening to you, I would encourage entrepreneurs, get your circle of just business people that you can just be a person around. And don't be afraid, though. There are sometimes you you're the one who has this vision. So you have to start making some decisions. Take the risk. Take the risk. When I decided to stay in Houston, literally was ground zero. I had just been divorced. No job, no income, nothing. And I could have easily went home. Mm-hmm. I could go home and start fresh and been fine. But I was going to go home to a box that I had already broken out of. So I decided the worst that can happen is I go home, but I gave myself a chance here to see what is it like knowing who I, what I have done, knowing what I've gained, what can I do here? Yeah. You know? And so you got to be around people who kind of fortify you, but you also have to learn to really believe in you. And there it's always, you can talk to any person from me, you to the big people there's always a struggle with ourselves as to, should I do it? Should I do it? But everyone, just like, I think I love Will Smith. He took the leap off that plane. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's like, when you conquer your greatest fear, right. that's where you truly live. So it's like, at some point, take the leap, sis. The worst you're going to do is go home. Exactly. And home isn't so bad. Aida, it's so funny you say that because I can't tell you how many times when we were first launching the league, I straight up told Terry exactly that, which was the worst that can happen is that we have to go live with one of our parents. Like, we're we're not going to be end up on the street. Like, it's not going to be that bad. We're going to be okay. And kind of reframing it like that, it allows you to say, okay, I can, we can do this. I can take some risks. And another thing with that. I have these strategy sessions with clients and a lot of times it's not that they don't know what to do. They just need to do it and they need to be held accountable to doing it. So I had one on Friday and I basically, it was all of us just coming up with a project plan and then me saying, I'm going to be checking in with you on Tuesday to see if you've done the first step. Right. So when you're saying just do it and just start and, and do it afraid and all of that, it's not going to be perfect. Like it's going to be trial and error. So you might do it and it might not work great. And I don't look at that as like a failure. It can just be a lesson learned. Like what didn't work? What did work? Get some feedback from the people and then relaunch it later on, for example, you know what I mean? And and perfect it over time, as opposed to just 
being paralyzed with fear, not, not ever moving forward. So I love that you brought that up. And I know you have a great story of investing in yourself. I remember that, that stylist that you worked with, do you mind sharing that story? Which one? And the Russian? I I believe he was in town and you paid him. And I wanted you to share the story because I feel like so many entrepreneurs need to invest in themselves and in their businesses more and are scared to. It might cost a lot of money. They might be scared to ask or put themselves out there and kind of talk to that. Yeah, because I think you've done that. So like I told you, when I was with my grandmother, she instilled in me education, okay? Education. So 20 years in, I still go to class, okay? So that's, you're never, never be too good for class. But so I had taken a board certified colorist program that most people were like, why would you do that? You don't need all of that. That at the time was probably, let me see, it's tw- about 10 years ago. That was about $1,500. And you had to fly to New York. You could only take it once a year and all of these things. And people just thought I was stupid. But that particular thing, had I not done that certification, I would not have done the other one. So I've always done that investing, but then what was amazing again, and this kind of segues into staying in Houston and and believing in yourself. So there was an artist that I had been following on Instagram for like two years who did bridal hair and updos and all of this stuff. And I was going to go take his class in Germany, which was going to cost me about five to $7,000. So, you know, I'm like, yes, this is the dream course I want to take. And one day after leaving work, I literally, it was a day I just wanted to quit (laughs) and give up. And I sat down in my living room and pulled up my phone to go on the Instagram social media decompress. Uh And it said that he was going to be in L.A. And so I looked at the number and I called it like this guy answers the phone and he's pretending to be his agent. And he's telling me there's some courses that they're going to do in L.A. And the class was five hundred dollars and you got to come in. And I said, "Okay." And he, I said, when are you having classes? He said, give us some dates and give us a call back. So I went and looked at the calendar and I called him on a Wednesday and I was like, okay, I want to take your class on such and such date. And he was like, actually, I won't be here anymore. I was like, what, (laughs) you know, when are you going to come? He was like, but I see you're calling me from Houston and I'm going to be in town this weekend. And I'm like, Houston, Texas, you're going to be in Houston, Texas this year, this weekend. And he said, yeah, if you put together a class, find a venue, put together a class, I will do it for $1,500. So then I was like, okay, if I came to LA, it was five. Now it's triple the price and you're coming to Houston. So I was like, let me call you back. And I was talking to someone. They were like, sweetie, you were going to spend that money anyway. By the time you bought a plane ticket, a hotel, a rental car, Uh, food, everything. It was going to be that. And that was like, you know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. So I called him back and said, okay, I'll do it. But this is where it kind of became really amazing because we put out a blast that he was coming to Houston doing this class. And basically you could charge people to come and that would offset my cost. But so that was Thursday. Friday, he gets into town. Saturday, I found a, I couldn't find a place. So I ended up using the event place at my, from my HOA, you know, your event center. Yeah. Um, I ended up, and I'm so ashamed, right? I'm like, this is all I have. I washed all my mannequins and he shows up. He has a model. We worked for eight hours 
And that was the first time I had been with an artist that had the same passion and drive that I had. But we worked eight hours straight. And by the time the class finished, and he was a teacher, so he was hitting my hand with the comb. <laughs> he was basically training me how he learned. So, you know, I got hit with a comb a few times, told to sit down, <laughs> told to watch, told to pay attention. And when we finished, we were talking, he said, how long have you been doing hair? And I think at that time I had been about 15 years and he looked at me and he was like, but you're so humble. Wow. And he was like, because most people would come in and they know it all. But you sat here and you learned. He couldn't believe I had done it so long because I was such a willing student Mm -hmm. to listen to him. But what was amazing of that is this man from Russia was standing in front of me in my home, basically, Mm -hmm. for eight hours. And it was his first time in America, first time to Houston. He's never been back. Wow. He posted our picture. He had 3,500 likes within five minutes and a bunch of people asking, when are you coming back? And, you know, he said something. He said, people are lazy. Mm-hmm. He was like, because I gave up my day of sightseeing. You gave up your off day. And here we are working. Mm-hmm. That opportunity, right? You never know when that opportunity comes and you put the money into that. And the next day he left and was given a class in Milan of 300 people. Wow. And I had him one-on-one for eight hours. So yes, investing yourself. You have to, they tell you, you got to spend money to make money, but you have to know where to spend that. Like sometimes you just have to invest in the training. Mm -hmm. You know, I still take business courses. I still read on things that I want to learn. I'm getting ready to embark on an eight week course for HR training. You have to keep learning and keep growing, even though we're entrepreneurs and we can make money out of anything. It's knowing we're going to make some money. We have to also be willing to take the time to invest. Oh, yes. Wow. (laughs) I love that. So I hadn't even heard all those nuances to the story. That is really, really powerful. And again, it goes back to getting scrappy, putting yourself out there, knowing Mm -hmm. your end goal, And to go from having him one-on-one to him going to Milan and doing it for 300 people. Wow. And then just remember the end goal was still the building, right? Right. Right. So the end goal, all of this, it could be like, well, I could save that money for the building or I could do such and such. But I think all of that led to when it came to purchasing the building, I was very sure of what I was looking for. I knew what I was willing to pay. I knew how I wanted to do, and I was willing to invest to take it to the level that I wanted it because along the way I had all the same principles still applied. It was just finally time. And don't think stories like that didn't come into play in the meeting with the bankers to let them know the depth of how serious you are in your craft. Because what I learned with that journey was I have to get you to see what I know. Yes. Bangers see numbers. Mm -hmm. They don't see my business. So I have to know my business that I can interpret it to what you know. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are able to tell, okay, this girl ain't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. She's not going to take this bank loan and walk. She's not going to get this building and turn it into, she's really proved this is what I want to do. And you denied me three years ago based on this. And so here I am three years later, based on what you told me, and I think we talked about, I hired a mentor before I went to the bank. Like there are all the steps you have to take if you're serious, but if you don't believe in it, 
No one else will. Yeah. And you're going to spend that money anyway. Yeah. Right. And were there sacrifices? Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's like you have to decide. And I, you know, I love to see the Instagram. Everybody's making these figures. I love it. I'm here. for. I would love to talk to you to see like I want to look like you don't want that glow up. Right. You know, that ain't my story. But I'd love to hear because there's a refreshing in that. <laughs> wow. I eat that. It's amazing. You are such an inspiration. I'm really so glad I got to have you on the show because like I said, I feel like I've just been able to glean so much from you over the years as I'm getting my hair done. And I owe you so much. It's like I could repay you for all of the just insight and encouragement. There's been so many times where you're like, hire the person, take the course, do the thing, you know, and, and I, I'll literally leave and call Terry and say, Aida told me I should, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so he loves me or hates me for he, it. Yeah, he, he loves you. <laughs> but um, it's been such a joy having you on. And I want to make sure that folks can connect with you online or even if they're here in Houston, definitely with your salon. So let me know how people can connect with you. So I am really a big Instagram person these days. So you can reach my uh, personal Aida Samal one on Instagram. And then I have studio two dot 12 Inc for the Instagram and studio 12 Inc.com is where you can go online to book appointments and get a hold of me. But I'm really kind of into the social media right now. So those are really good ways. I do check my messages. I do check my DMs. That's where you'll get a really good response from me. Awesome. I'll make sure that I'm going to link your personal IG, your studios IG, and the website in the show notes so that folks can scroll down at the bottom of this episode and click the link and be able to get right to connecting with you, following you, supporting you, and getting to know you better because like you just ooze wisdom. (laughs) Thank you. I'm on the other side of things, I guess, (laughs) which is good. But like, you know, my goal is to be I guess what I am to you, it's like, if I can get you to miss some mistakes, if I can get you to see some things a different way so that each set gets better, that's the goal. Cause I want to see my grandmother did it for me. And I know if I didn't have her, I wouldn't have the longevity in this industry that I've had, you know, I'd I'd be burned out by now. And so I hope that I can be that for other people and then that, that it continues. Because even though it's a long road, there it's a rewarding war- road at the end, I think. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> what a gem. Now, Aida hasn't just been a voice of entrepreneurial wisdom for me, but I've been able to share her with you as well. I really resonated with what she said about wanting to be a resource so that others can avoid mistakes. Y'all, that is exactly why I even have this podcast. That's why I even have any of my courses or my programs, because when I think back to what it was like in 2013, navigating what it meant to be a business owner all alone and all of those costly and unnecessary mistakes that I made to get here today, I'm motivated to show up here for you. And I want you to know what else is motivating is hearing from you if any of these episodes have been helpful. It really does make my whole day because if I could even just help one entrepreneur avoid a mistake or build confidence or improve their strategy, it will all have been worth it. 
I'll make sure to link in the show notes all the ways that you can connect with Aida and learn more about her in Studio 212. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bird Means Business Podcast, for subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. That would be amazing. Also, make sure you follow Bird Means Business on Spotify. And make sure that you tell every entrepreneur you know about this episode so that they can get some of this business game too. Alrighty, talk to y'all next week. 